Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort Wayne in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. In the beginning of time, in, in, in all eternity past, um, that the person that he's going to talk about, this was not just a man who was born, right, and, uh, uh, and, 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 but this, in fact, was God himself. Uh, so several times throughout the Gospels, uh, John is very explicit that this man named Jesus is God. Here, of course, he says that this man, the word was God in verse 1. Verse 18, he says, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. He calls Jesus the only God. There's only one God, and Jesus is God. In, in, in chapter 28, he records how Thomas, uh, doubting Thomas, answered him, My Lord and my God. And in Jewish world, that would have been blasphemy to call a man, a human being, God. And yet, that's what John records. Matter of fact, the gospel of John itself is structured around seven signs that Jesus is God, that Jesus is who he said he was. Uh, those are the turning of the water into wine in chapter 2. We're going to get to that. Um, the healing of the nobleman's son in John chapter 4. Uh, the healing of the man by the pool of Siloam in, in John 5. The feeding of the 5,000, very familiar miracle in John 6. His walking on the water later on in that chapter. His healing of a man who was born blind in John 9. And his resurrecting of Lazarus in John chapter 11. So those are the, the hooks that the book really hangs on. And it moves through these different signs that Jesus was in fact uh, God himself. But just looking at here, going back to this first five verses of John, he said, you know, he, Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? That um, Jesus was a member of the Godhead. But also, he goes on in verse 3, and he says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that has been made. Uh, in verse 3. Jesus, in fact, is the creator. This, of course, uh, echoes back to Colossians chapter 1. Paul says the same thing about Jesus, that Jesus uh, was the creator. He was there. Not only is he talking about in the beginning, not only was Jesus in the beginning, just like Genesis 1-1, but in fact, he was the creator in Genesis 1-1 who created all things. God is the creator. If Jesus is the creator, that means Jesus is God. God, as, as Paul says in, in Romans 1, God himself is uncreated, right? He's the only uncreated being, the only uncaused cause. Um, and so he's, John is beginning to lay out here and explain how Jesus is more than just a man. He was, he's a member of the Godhead, the Trinity, uh, from all eternity. He, in fact, is the creator, but he also is salvation. He said, in him is life. The life is the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, for, for decades, the, the people of Israel have been waiting for a light to come. They felt like they were living in darkness because they were living in darkness. And we know Isaiah and the famous Christmas passage um, harkens back to this, um, this same uh, um, word picture. 
He was life. These are, and this is going to be some key phrases, some key themes that John's going to unpack in his Gospels. That Jesus is life, right? John 3.16. Um, that, uh, that we can have eternal life through him, that none should perish. That life was the light of men. Jesus says life, Jesus as light. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that life shines in the darkness. So even here in chapter 5, we already in verse 5 here of chapter 1, John already alludes to this uh, mission of God, um, the, the, the theocracy, uh, the, the theodicy. Which, what is that? That's God's mission into darkness, his mission into a broken world. What did God do about evil? He shone in the darkness. He himself came into the darkness. The one who is light, right? The one who, in him is no darkness whatsoever. He has no sin. He comes and he shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John already tells us the end of the movie. And we're only five verses in, and he tells us the end of the movie that Jesus is victorious. He's victorious over this broken, fallen, sinful world. Praise the Lord. The Savior has come. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is a member of the Godhead, right? Jesus is a creator. Jesus is salvation. Already, John's unpacking some of the most fundamental concepts of Scripture, that God is, is the creator, our creator, that he lives in community, that community is love, that community is light, that community is life, right? And that, in fact, he's made a way uh, to shine in the darkness and not overcome it, to save us. There's an allusion to that, right? He was life. So uh, uh, Jesus is God, and John is wanting, and he'll come back to this again and again and again. But how could John know that? How could he know that Jesus is God? How could he say that this human being who lived in the first century, who was born in Palestine, in, in, the, in the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, place of uh, the land of Israel, um, how could he say that this person wasn't just a prophet? This, how could he say this wasn't just a good teacher? How could he say that he didn't have just some good thoughts, Right. Because the things that he's saying here in, in verses 4 and 5 are very exclusive, that he's light, that he's life, right? Um, he's, that he, that he, I mean, these are, in our world, these would be um, uh, intolerant things to say, that just in one person, that one person is right, that they're the only way to life, that they're the only one who has light. Um, that would be a very uh, politi- unpolitical thing to say in this day and age. How could John say that? Because, number two, John is an eyewitness that Jesus is God. He's an eyewitness. He's going to tell us what he himself experienced, right? How he came to believe this. In uh, his epistle, 1 John chapter 1, he's more explicit about this. He says, that which was from the beginning, right? Harkens back. Same phrase he used in John 1.1. The same thing comes from Genesis 1.1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, that life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify, and we proclaim to you that eternal life, he says, that eternal life um, uh, 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 I've got my verses mixed up here. Um, hang on. Um, uh, he says, 
in which we proclaim it to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. He said, I'm a witness of these things. This is something that I not only saw, that I heard, that I touched. He said, I am testifying that this is true. I am an eyewitness. So what the Gospel of John gives us is an eyewitness account. Um, uh, the other night, Thursday night, it was taking Houston and Mylene to get driving there to Tampa. We went through Sarasota to have dinner with uh, the uh, parents of my of my um, daughter-in-law, and uh, there was uh, another Cuban there that they invited, and um, and Eusniel was sharing with uh, this other Cuban, Leonidas. He was sharing with him the life that he has found, in fact, in Jesus. That you too can have fellowship with. Jesus, he was sharing with them. Just think that John saying, you too can have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. It's not just that John wants to make some sort of philosophical or, or religious point just to get it to win, to win an argument. No, he's wanting us to experience the same fellowship, the same uh, uh, belongingness that he did. He said, so that our joy may be made complete. John wants to, for all of us to be united in Christ, and he's an eyewitness of those things. Um, he says, in, and, and so what, what, how is that that we could do that? Well, he sums up the book in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. And this is, the, this is John chapter 20, verse 31, is the key verse in the Gospel of John. He said, now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. He's like, this isn't everything that Jesus did. Jesus did tons of things. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing on him, you may have life in his name. When he says that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, remember the word Christ there is, is the Greek word for Messiah, the anointed one, anointed by whom? Anointed by God. Anointed for what? Anointed for salvation, right? That you may believe that Jesus, this man who was born of, of a Virgin Mary, this man who died, right, at Calvary, who is resurrected, this man, in fact, is the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. He's not just wanting us just to believe this is a fact, that, okay, well, Jesus was God. Did you know that even Satan knows that that's true? Satan knows that Jesus is the Son of God. Think about this for a minute. Satan believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Does that give Satan salvation? No. Why? Because there's a difference between intellectual belief and saving faith, trusting faith. Obviously, Satan has not put his trust of his life into Christ, right? He's living for himself. There are many people here, however, who walk around who say, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus is God. And they think that somehow that makes them a Christian, just that intellectual belief. No, it's not just belief, but it's, John says, believing you may have life in his name. How do we have life in Jesus? By putting our life in Jesus. That's what faith is. It's trust, right? It's active dependence. So this is the major theme that we're going to come back to week after week after week and unpack. That we may believe and live. 
This is the theme, in fact, of the Gospel of John, that we may believe and that we may believe. And so we're in a process, and you may say, well, David, I've already placed my faith in Christ that many, many years ago. I come to church every week because of that. But we're still in a process of unpacking the gospel in our lives. It's not, the gospel is not a one-time thing. Yes, we do need to place our faith in Christ, and that begins eternal life. Eternal life begins the day you, you place your faith in Christ, and it never ends. But what I'm saying is, is that we're now in this process of sanctification, this process of unpacking what that truth means for us. Discipleship is the process of growing from unbelief to belief in Jesus in every area of our life. It's not just about getting uh, fire insurance. It's not just about getting a ticket to heaven, right? Um, My placing my faith in Christ, I have to preach the gospel to myself every day. Why? Because there are areas of my life that I'm not living from the truth of the gospel, right? They may be fears, they may be insecurities, they may be anxieties, There's lots of different things that we can go to for life apart from Christ. And so discipleship is this process, this journey that all of us are on. That's why we come together here as the church, so that we can exhort one another to love and good deeds, so that we can be more like Christ, so that we can grow more in this process from unbelief to belief. Which raises a question for each one of us. Where in my heart and in my life is that process incomplete? Where in my heart and my life am I still holding on to, still believing in lies? Lies that, in fact, are not uh, the truth of the gospel. Not what God says about me. Because we all have an an old software package that we're still in the process of of deinstalling, of debugging, right? Uh, And so... That's what discipleship is, and that's what you need to understand. To live a gospel-centered life, yes, it means placing our faith in Christ so that we have eternal life and that no one can ever take that from us. But what I'm telling you is is that that doesn't start then. That's just the beginning of the journey of unpacking the gospel. Don't think because you've been in the church for 50 years that you're baptized and christened, confirmed, that, that it's all signed, sealed, and delivered, and that's all there is. That's not all there is. You haven't even begun to tap the truth of the gospel. There's so much more for you and I. And John is saying that the goal for us is that we believe and live. And John 4, he says, We confess that Jesus is the Son of God. God abides in him, and he is in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. John says, we've come to know this love of God. I've come to know this love of God. Right? We need to abide in this love. That's how we grow in this process of, of, of working out the gospel in every area of our life. Uh, in John chapter 5, at 1 John chapter 5, in his epistle, he says, This is a testimony that God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has the life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have the life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so you may know that you have eternal life. John says, You can know that you have eternal life. When does eternal life begin? As soon as you have the Son, you have the life, he says, right? That day, not when you die, that day is when eternal life begins. When does it end? It doesn't end. If it it could end, it wouldn't be eternal. What did you do to get salvation? 
Nothing. You can't do anything but bring your sin to the cross. That's the only thing, right, to have this life. What can you do to lose it? If you didn't do anything to gain it, you can't do anything to lose it. Sometimes people think, well, what if I, you know, I go off the, the, the tracks or whatever. Did you know that when Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, God already knew the future of your life. Nothing that you will do tomorrow or the day after that or the month after that year will surprise God. He already knew that on the cross. He already put all those sins on the cross if you placed your faith on him. And so, John says, this is what it's all about. He sums it all up in John chapter 17, verse 3. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Believing and living. True life is knowing God in Jesus. It's about a relationship. Eternal life is not a place. Did you know that? It's not. It's a person, a person who has life. And that's why Jesus could say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. How could Jesus say that no one can come to the Father but through me? Because no one else has life. No one else is life. And that's not an exclusive claim. That's a universal claim. What it means is universally anyone who wants to know God can. There's no, there's no limit here. There's no, there's no sorting out of who can and can't qualify for this. Anyone, he says, whoever, uh, God, he, God um, doesn't want any to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance and to know him. True life is knowing God in Jesus. And it's interesting. How does John describe himself? John is the Apostle John is the author of this apostle of this gospel. That's why it's 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 named after him. In John chapter 13, he says, One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So we're in the upper room here. This is at the end where he begins the, the long upper room discourse, starting in chapter 13. And John says, And I was there, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I know this. I'm eyewitness to this, that Jesus was God, that Jesus, in fact, is life. But even more than that, John has been transformed. He is now, his identity has changed. He is now the disciple whom Jesus loved. Has your identity been changed? Do you describe yourself as the disciple whom Jesus loved? Do you see yourself leaning on the breast of Jesus in the upper room? You see the picture of an intimate relationship, an intimate connection with God? That John is wanting to bless each one of us with, that we too can have, that we too can grow in that. Each, if we will just believe and live, believe the gospel, believe the good news of who Jesus is, who he is for us, and then live that out more and more in every area of our life, more consistently, right? More universally, more globally to allow him to redefine who we are and what our life is. God, we pray that you would open up this gospel to us as we study it in the weeks ahead. We pray that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, so that we could know you more and more, uh, 
not just the facts of what happened of the Bible, but Lord, know you in an intimate way, even as John did, to be transformed, to know the love of God, right? And now to become agents of his love as well. Lord, we praise you for your word. We praise you for this testimony from John and what you've done, Holy Spirit, and what you're even doing this morning, that you continue to live because you are alive and well today, just as you were then. You are the resurrected Christ. You were with John, and you said that you won't leave us as well. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings at 1501 Woodbury Road, which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando. Come check us out. I'll see you then.